Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. La 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 la. That's not Sister Act, but we pour one out for that. Wait, what? I know what that is. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Welcome back to That's a Gay Ass Podcast, the podcast that asks, whose fault is it that you're gay? It is me, Eric Williams, and this week we've got Rivka Reyes on the podcast. You recognize her as the badass bass player from School of Rock. You also recognize her from Internet Celebrite. She is a Filipino jew as she describes herself, and is a goddamn delight. But before we get into the episode, the headline news is Houston, we've got a merch lum. Uh, we have merch. There is merchandise on gayaspodcast.com, and I am so just relieved I figured it out. Uh, I found out uh, that there's something called sales tax, and it took me a few weeks to, uh, to actually not only design the merch, get it onto a website, figure out how people make it, and then I don't get sued by the IRS. Did I just tempt them to look my stuff up and, and indeed uh, subpoena me? Is that what they do? Um, maybe, but I think I did it right. My dad helped me. So shout out. Shout out to Rick, who really, really got me through. The, the most popular item... I don't know if I'm surprised by it. I'm actually thrilled by it. It's the character actress sweatshirt. They're flying off the shelves, the digital shelves. So you can head to gayasspodcast.com and please, please, please use code GAY, all caps GAY, uh, to get $5 off anything you purchase. You've purchased multiple things and get $5 off each item. But let's get into this week's episode of That's a Gay Ass Podcast with Rivka Reyes. Not only do we discuss uh, the fact that she was in a movie with Joan Cusack, a very important question I asked, we also talk about her witchery in terms of the Akashic Records. We also get into a show she just did at the Geffen. You need to Google this. It was It's a musical about a rabbi in New Jersey who hired a hitman to kill his wife. That comes at the end of the episode and a lots of gorgeous things in between. Make sure to follow the podcast Instagram at Gay Ass Podcast. Again, check out the merch. I'm so excited about it. It's gayasspodcast.com and use code gay to get $5 off. And when you receive it, you better you better let me know how you love it because I think there's going to be a lot of gorgeous character actresses and gay ass girlies sporting some shirts around the globe. Enjoy the app. I love you.
Rivka raises on that's a gay ass fucking podcast. And I have to say, we not only have a connection with your gorgeous partner, but I'm also obsessed with you and Jen. Thank you for coming on this gay ass podcast, Rivka. <laughs> Thank you for having me. How do you know my husband? So your husband, your partner, your wife, your we're, we're calling a, Yes, we're calling her a husband, but she is a woman <laughs> and a baddie and a non-binary hunk. Icon, <laughs> legend moment. Um, uh, Kristen and I went to college together and have known each other for many, many a year. Okay, Tish. <laughs> what if I was like, actually, I was um in Gallatin. Gallatin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't judge. Hey, I didn't get in to either. So and who and who needed to? Honestly, it it doesn't. You know what's funny is that I had a friend. I saw a friend wearing a shirt that said NYU, and I was like, oh my god, cute shirt. And I was like, gosh, I a don't think I own any NYU shirts, and b I don't think I feel the need to because give me your honest opinion, especially because you are um with a a Tish Gerlina. Do you feel like <laughs> when you hear someone went there, what is your gut reaction? Is it grown dot com? Is it annoy.gov or is it something else? I would say in the past, it used to be bitter.biz because I famously didn't get in and I famously did a burning ritual for my rejection letter um, that almost set my house on fire when I was in high school. Um, But I would say now I'm kind of just nooch.net because it's kind of just like, it doesn't actually matter where you went to school. Like I went to literally at all of Illinois at Chicago and got my BFA there. And like, I mean, I barely got a BFA. I I finished all my theater courses and I actually didn't technically graduate because I had all my gen eds to complete. And I just was like, I'm already working. I'm already doing musical. Yeah. Who who needs (laughs) a diploma? I will say that I've had a fraught relation with going to NYU because not only did I have an ex who went to Marymount Manhattan where they all are just... You can never generalize for a group of people, but I can say that every person that goes there is insane. Um, and I will tell you <laughs> that they had um, such like a a, a a chip on their shoulder, and would and because c- I get it, NYU has so many monsters that went there, and I know many of them. However, they would ever if, whenever you said you went to school, when I, I they would be like, oh, you did, and then uh, assume that I was a yeah. monster. But all this to say, it doesn't fucking matter, like you said. And we're now here. We're queer. And we're we're surviving and thriving and surviving and and I will say that anytime somebody, regardless of their career, regardless of what school they went to, says that they went to NYU, I go okay, Tish, <laughs> <laughs> and that's my little toxic trait. <laughs> my toxic trait is I assume you went to Tish, and when you didn't, it makes them feel horrible. Which honestly, Tish or otherwise, we're all horrible. Were you Atlantic? I was. I was. I was. I was. I was. Older than Kristen, if you can believe. I'm I'm marching towards death. My therapist told me yesterday that I'm young, and I said, thank you so much. Yeah, well, everyone who is telling me that, trust me, when you are in your 30s, you'll feel a lot better. Um, I don't know. I guess I'll have to just see it when I get there in eight days. Um, (gasps) But I know I'm in the last week of my 20s, babe. What um, an honor to be recording up your last week of your 20s. And this is live in living color. How do you feel to be turning the big 3-0? I have been having a little bit of an existential crissy about it, to be honest. Like I've been, you know, looking at my life and going, oh, these are all the things I have done yet. But then it's like, I have to remind myself that I have done a lot 
more, um, like, I don't know. I, I was, when I was moving, I found this old journal from when I was like 24 and there was like a goal. It was like Rivka's big goals for the big two five. And like a lot of them I've completed, like I have joined both unions for, you know, equity and SAG. I you know, think I'm verified on all the platforms and like, you know, all those things that I thought were so important when I was 24. I'm like, oh, that all happened. And like, because of it, I have more problems. And that whole thing of like more money, more problems, like bigger goals, bigger problems, you know? Well, it's also, I think that what goes along with that is you can set these goals. And then when you do achieve them, when you realize certain things still haven't changed, maybe about like yourself or your outlook, it doesn't feel different. And I've been working on that a whole lot because it's hard to stay present when you think that the external goals, once they're achieved, will change fundamental feelings and i'm finding out mama it is not always so and so i think i do think though that you have lived a lot of lives in your 29 almost 30 years and like there's only gorgeous things in your future but it is i i can 100 identify mm-hmm. with the the existential crisis of it all and uh, next month turning 33 and while we're hell very, yeah jesus come on now right? jesus year we <laughs> we are very close in age but also I, I'm only now starting to feel the 30s energy of actually crystallizing changes of what is important is now mm. it's taking me a few years of the 30s to get into that and I am by no means healed or whole or or sane but I am starting to see everything come into perspective and that is, right. is becoming gorgeous that's what I hope to gain from being in my 30s is like perspective on a lot of things. Like I, I also am like terrified of the fact that like, you know, when you're in your twenties and you're acting like a fool and like, you know, being toxic or being, you know, just like kind of falling prey to your old patterns and and stuff that you inherited from trauma and childhood Mm. and continuing to like act that way. I, tend to give people who are in their twenties a pass. I'm like, Oh, they're in their twenties. But then like, I have said out loud to so many people like, Oh my God, you're like 30. Why are you acting that way? And then I'm afraid that like, now that I'm about to be there, I'm going to catch myself and be caught acting like (laughs) looking kid. You know, I do think a freeing fact about that is that with many people, high school never ends and you are a child until the day you die. But I do think for a lot of us, and especially I would like to think that the guests I have on and the people that listen to this specifically are we're, we're so in touch with how we move through the world. And I think that that is already a step above many people who just assume that they are doing things correct and they are universally loved and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, we actually have self-loathing for a reason. And so it's like yeah. we are, we're learning, I think, where where our place is. And I think that's actually a huge, a huge part of the battle just to begin with. Yeah. And honestly, you know, being Filipino, and I can say this because I am Filipino, like I have been identifying as 25 years old for the last five years of my mm-hmm. life since I turned 25. And people don't blink a single eye. So, you know, when worse comes to worse, I can always, if I'm being a little shit, I can definitely just blame it on the fact that I'm 25. Yeah, actually, no, I'm 25. Actually, well, I turn 25 next week. Um, Yeah, you're just always <laughs> turning 25. Um, I'm about I to do... be 25. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's my quarter century. I cannot believe. I do need, need, need to ask. One of the things I'm most excited to ask you about is your practicing of the psychic arts. Can you tell me, first of all, you say that you offer... Akashic records. Did I say it right? 
Nailed it. Okay, so I'm recently into the spirituality of it all. I'm into <gasps> the Jesus year. I'm into the tarot. I'm into... I had um an amazing, amazing gay astrologist on this podcast, Colin Bedell, who is just an unbelievable, unbelievable person. And so, first of all, what is this Akashic Records thing? Okay, so... The Akashic Records, I like to explain them as a liminal, limitless library of everything that was, everything that is, and everything that will be. Mm. In the Akashic Records, we have access to past lives. We have access to contracts. And every person, place, and living thing has its own set of Akashic records. Every relationship has its own set of Akashic records. So I can open them for myself. I can open them for others. I can open them for this apartment that I just moved into. I can open them for the dog that lives upstairs. Um, as long as I have the consent of the person, place, or thing that I'm opening for. Have you always uh, been super uh, empathetic and super feeling of these energies your whole life? Tapped in for sure. Yeah. Um, my parents would often tell me that I had wandered off into a corner to like talk to somebody that wasn't there. And they were like, oh yeah, your imaginary friend. And I was like, no, but like somebody was there. I remember very specifically a little blonde girl with blue eyes being in the corner. Her name was Emily. She said she was four years old and she was wearing like a white trash. And, and my mom would like literally look and be like, there's literally no one there. And of course, you know, they encouraged it. They were like, oh yeah, like, you know, she's broadening her imagination. She's being (laughs) playful and creative. When, you know, I was 10, I was working on a feature film and all of the kids in the cast, we got our hands on a Ouija board and I, we were shooting at this studio in Queens and I had contacted a spirit who had died on the premises (gasps) like a child a spirit of a child who had been killed like on the premises by his father and like all the kids were like super into it and like so cool and like some of the moms were like we don't want your devil kid around (laughs) (laughs) okay i love that we're setting the stage of we're filming school of rock there are all of these child actors just like killing time next thing you know there's the soul of a dead child who was murdered in a queen's building coming through i want to see that movie i will make it it was so fun to do and then it's like it's actually pretty funny like when I came back from shooting School of Rock to like regular school, mm-hmm. we it, it it was like aligned with the time that our like yearly young authors competition was happening. And I wrote a book called Ouija about characters that were based on me and Miranda Cosgrove falling into the world of a Ouija board and not being able to get out. <gasps> um, I don't know if I, I don't remember if it won, but <laughs> probably not. Because I think if I if it had won as a Leo, I would have remembered and told everybody. <laughs> Leo's always remember the win. (laughs) And the loss is even harder. (laughs) Listen, one of the biggest subjects in my life is uh, why failure is not the end of the world. It's not Mm -hmm. the end of the world. Um, So then, so speaking of then, this time of your life, I love what you wrote that, the the article you wrote, Confessions of an Obsolete Child Actor. Do you find that when you look back on this period, I know you've had like a big journey when people would ask you, 
and you would if you were like if you were the the base girl from the movie you would kind of shy away but what what happens now when people ask you about it i say yes and and it's funny because a lot of people don't ask me that anymore people will straight up just say are you riv Correa's?" and that mm. feels so good because mm. I don't know what they're recognizing me from. I can assume it's School of Rock, but then sometimes I'm I'm pleasantly surprised at, oh, I saw you do stand-up a couple of months ago at the whatever, you know, junior high or, you know, uh, or I saw this TikTok you made about the Akashic Records and I'm really interested in that stuff. Or, you know, I love your podcast and I'm just like, damn, that's so cool. Like, but but, you know, occasionally I will get like, you know, I was having a picnic with a couple friends in Echo Park and we were kind of just minding our own business and COVID's pretty bad in LA and and I'm like not trying to be approached. You know, I'm very visibly like masked and putting my guard up and this person was pretty persistent and he was just like, you're the basis from School of Rock. You're the basis from School of and I was just like, yeah, yeah, dude. Um, hell yeah. Like, <laughs> I kind of like shut down. And then, you know, my friend who is like, um, an angrier and more aggressive person than I am. I'm pretty non-confrontational, but uh, my friend was just like, Hey, like they're really, really just like trying not to talk to you right now. Like, and I felt really bad about that. I wasn't, it's not that I wasn't trying to talk to them. It was just that I was actively like in fight or flight mode. Yeah. And my tendency is to either freeze or fawn and go, yeah, that's okay. Mm. Or like just do nothing at all. But I, I, I don't want to give off the air that I'm unapproachable. But um, sometimes it's just like, there are people who know how to handle that kind of situation. And then there are people that are just really, really uncool about it. And Can I take a social <laughs> cue? They don't know what to do, do, do. Absolutely. I love that little song, actually. Thank you, so Thank you so much. I mean, it's all about... it's. Listen, we're all human beings on this gosh darn planet. If you can't... If you if I see if I see a one Miss Riv Correa's and I'm all of a sudden up on your grill and you're like, yeah, dude, I'm going to know to take my gorgeous to back ass off. away. Yeah, to back off. I do think, though, it's so... I can only imagine the wide range of methods that people have approached you. And I do think you it's have always really... the straight men that like, and they're usually in they're like, they're around my age or younger who like, you know, probably saw the movie when they were like 10 or 13 and like had a little thing for me. And I get it because like, yeah, obviously I'm royalty. So it's like how, you know, how did, how does one approach royalty? But then it's usually like the girls, the gays and the bays that are like, yes. And like, yes. they're, they're cool. And can I hug you? Like, Oh my God, can I give you a fist bump? And I'm usually like down for that. Like, but it's just like the kind of like awkward, shy, like meek, uh, beta boys that like try to come talk to me that I'm just like all right dude cool yeah Good to see you babe I yeah. cannot imagine and can't imagine but with this in mind of this period of your life I feel like when we go back into into her story I want to ask you the famous podcast question which is Rivka Reyes whose fault is it that you're gay who do we blame babe I have a multitude of answers to this it's it's mm. one very specific one as I blow a cloud of vape smoke, um, <laughs> definitely Miss Honey um, from Matilda. I'm sure she's a common answer. She's but... not. And I want you to know I got chills when you said it. So thank you. Thank you for that. Great. I have mommy issues. That's pretty widely known. And when I saw Miss Honey, of course, you know, I go, oh, like, I wonder if Miss 
G who I'll just call Miss G for the sake of the story, my second sure. grade teacher. Sure. I was like, I wonder if Miss G will adopt me. Like, and then I developed this like deep obsession with my second grade teacher, Miss G. And I was always like, I was always a kid holding hands with the teacher. Like, you know, <laughs> this is so interesting to hear though, yeah. from an adult perspective, because listen, I am fully into men and I still Miss Honey had a big impact on me. I can only imagine for someone who is attracted to women who has and like and has the mommy issues of it all yeah. and has a Miss G. Did did Miss G ever have to broach the subject of why a young Rivka was so attached, or did it kind of organically just you went on to third grade and just looked? Well, back here's the thing: is years and years later, I was out of work and I was like looking for babysitting jobs, and Miss G who was friends with me on Facebook for some reason. I don't know if that's appropriate, but whatever. She was like, I need childcare. Like I, I need you to, you know, watch my kid, and my dog while I'm at work. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'd love to. And then I, I, I asked her, I was like, so are you really claustrophobic? Because she would always say to the kids, like, I'm really claustrophobic. So don't all like come up to me at the same time. But then I thought I was special because I got to hold hands with Miss G when we were walking to the playground. So you know, in my mind, I was like, oh, she loves me and she's going to adopt me and be my mom, um, <laughs> which is delusional. Um, but I asked her, I was like, are you actually claustrophobic or was that just something you were saying to like keep the kids germs away from you? She was just like, yeah, it was the germs. And I was just like, I knew it. And then I was I was too much of a um, little bitch to like ask if she, you know, was scared of holding my hand to get sick. But I... <laughs> Listen, I was this, sick and twisted as that. <laughs> this scene though needs to be in, in a movie as well of like the teacher you're obsessed. With. You know what? I'm honestly what I'm doing right now is having a full on fan fiction moment of what I would do if I had a moment of, alone with a teacher that I was into because I had. I mean, what teachers did I not want to sleep with as a kid? There was I, I, we'll call him Mr. Q, seventh grade math. Oh my god, he was also the soccer coach, the Cavs of the God. I was a little my dis- eighth grade math teacher. Well, I guess. Sixth grade math teacher was the math teacher and the um, basketball coach, and he was also very, very, very cute. Why is it the the math and the sciences? I had, you know what? I'll say his name because if he were to hear this, he needs to know. His name was Mr. Hurtline. He was like ninth or tenth grade, some sort of science. And this is gonna be this is really a devastating memory. But I he I remember some kid in my class made fun of him because he had a very oily face, and he (laughs) was like, "Well, you know what? Actually, it's good for it's good for aging." So I like all the oil on my face, and I remember being like. I want to touch the oil on your face. Like I was fully just like, he was so, I don't know. He had a gorgeous goatee. I think I saw yeah. some chest hair pop out, which I've always been into. Yummy, yummy. Yeah. yeah. It was very yummy. Yum, yum. And I think if I had a moment now as an adult with Mr. Hurtline and, and of course he was so, on board in some level of just like, of course my fantasy is that he is gay and wants to, be ravaged or do i want to be ravaged by him Ooh, maybe it's a verse situation i think i think it has it's 2022 20, everyone's verse everyone's um, verse i think i would yeah. start on my knees and then see what what, <laughs> what 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 happened after that yes yes and like i i will say like the teacher the hot teacher trope has been like a repetitive thing in my life like you know the the onset tutors for school of rock were all really really hot like mm. missy amanda and iris like first of all hot names and like, truly hot names. Of all, Aunt amanda played the fiddle in a band called uncle fucker and we all went to go see her show and i i just remember 
I was so, I had such a big crush on her and I didn't realize it until all the boys for sure had a crush on Amanda, like namely Kevin and Joey who played um, Freddie and Zach respectively would talk about how much of a crush they had on Amanda. And they were like talking about her big boobs. And I was like, in my head, I was thinking, oh my God, like I've been looking at those things like crazy. She would wear this like one striped shirt that just very much accentuated her large boobs. And I was just like, (gasps) like, and of course, as a young girl, I internalized that to like, I want boobs that big one day. But what was actually going through my mind was I want those boobs on my face right now. (laughs) And one day is today. Yeah, yeah. And that one day, honey, is today. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's today. I I really I do very much identify with the friends around you who are attracted to the quote appropriate sex. And then you're like, wait a minute, I'm also attracted to like of course when all of my girly friends would talk about their crushes I very much had the same crushes but couldn't say it and it's a it's a very special type of prison that you yeah you I think deep down you know the friends would accept you but society won't and then you don't know what side they're going to be on and that's why coming out I just remember like I sat in a steak and shake crying to one of my closest friends when I told her that I was it was my first friend I told I told her before some of my my brothers and i love um, this but real quick what was your order at steak and shake oh my god what a great question my order was usually probably a steak burger with the fries and the milkshake had to be either like some kind of Reese's situation um my uh, maybe a frisco metal if i'm feeling frisque yeah, yeah and then my grandpa poppy who is still alive 94 and kicking he always okay. cut spaghetti at steak and shake and i or it was like a like a it was a plate that was full of like ch- i don't know if it was like a chili mac i just remember spaghetti noodles with some kind of sauce and I was always like, "Go off, King, or out of steak and shake," and you're going full on pasta house. But wait, are you? What, was were you a steak and shake person? I was. So I grew up in the city of Chicago. So the only time we would ever get steak and shake was when we were going to visit my um, cousins who lived in like Tinley Park, which is a, sure. a suburb. And um, it was either steak and shake or Culver's. But I wasn't as into Culver's as I was into steak and shake because Frisco melt that Frisco sauce, which famously is Thousand Island dressing, or <laughs> you know, it's either that or like ketchup and mayo mixed together. Sure. Which, of course, as a kid, I was like, this is luxury. Um, and that's on being impoverished. Um, but, um, and then the shake for me was always a half and half. Cause I loved, I didn't understand how they did it. it they, they did the, remember they did the down the middle moment. I remember. Uh, banana. Oh, yeah. I would do like a banana and chocolate one or something. Oh, taste. Like you are unlocking. Shake. You're really unlocking the steak and chicken memories because I forgot the technology that they somehow developed to do the half and half. It was yeah, next level. I, I would take anything. I would do anything for just like an, a two-hour moment to go back in time and sit at Steak and Shake, either with like my grandpa or with like all my theater friends after the show. Like, I don't know. You felt you felt like Steak and Shake changed you. I feel like you felt like a, it did you, a better version of yourself inside of it. I would eat a soft. Frisco melt right fucking now. Yeah. Same. Um, can I ask you another like kind of ugh, deeply intimate personal question? I would love for you to. Were you drinking coffee shakes or eating coffee ice cream as a child? 
Of course I was. Okay, so I think that's gay. I think that that's like a gay thing because a lot of my straight friends, like they were like, no, I never had coffee until I was like <laughs> well into like high school or college. And I go, I was drinking coffee at 10 on I set. love this examination. Brag, but of, like, so- I truly, but the examination of <laughs> coffee ice cream with queerness is very important. I think more people need to be talking about it. We should, I'm going to do a poll and see if, if coffee ice cream was a, a factor in many people's lives, queer lives that, that listen because... Maybe we were just trying to dim the pain. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the caffeine of the coffee. I don't know what the reason behind it, but maybe we're just trying to feel something. I definitely think that there is a correlation there. And I'm willing to get down to the bottom of this. Or the top of it, honestly, because again, reverse. It's again, it's twenty twenty two. I do, I do find that steak and shake and coffee milkshakes are very important to our history. But I do want to ask you, because I would be sued if I didn't. You did a movie with Joan Cusack. How does it feel to be able to say that? And what do you have to say about her? So it's hilarious. Joan was actually my neighbor before she was my co-star. Shut up. Uh, no, I'm, I'm serious. So we uh, lived in a neighborhood in um, Chicago that is kind of close to Wrigley Field where the Cubs play, but it's it's a little more residential, fam- big, a lot of families, a lot of big houses, like a lot of families over there. And my dad had found this like perfect opportunity to like renovate a house next to his best friend's house. So we were like, yeah, let's like all live there and have all the kids grow up together which was like a beautiful experience but around the corner our neighbor was Joan Cusack and so every Halloween of course all the kids were on her porch because she was you know Joan Cusack and and at the time she was like the spokesperson for T-Mobile and everybody knew her from you know whatever they knew her from <laughs> um for I was me, gonna it say was, was like it maybe at that John era, Hughes yeah 16 Adam's Candles family or Adam's family 16 Candles for me like her yeah. little cameos where she was like the girl with the headgear mm. um and some people knew her from SNL, whatever. Um, but she always had the best snacks, of course, because like it's, it's, you know, it's Joan. She's going to go all out. And she would always dress as a ghost every year. She would do like white face. <laughs> <laughs> Joan's canceled. Joan's canceled. Joan, you can't do white face anymore. I started to say, I was, I was going to say white face makeup. And then I realized I was saying white face and it was already happening. <laughs> But she she was in full white face and like white <laughs> hair. I mean, well, white everything though, like white hair right, and right, then right. Just, like a simple like white crew neck uh, and sweatpants. You know, she was going for comfort sure. and handing out bags of Doritos and Capri Suns when everybody else was handing out. You know, you know the tiny little Reese's and like a little Snicker bar. Pieces. I do. Do you Girl, think no. I envision Joan Cusack as like? your parents kooky friend does she have a kookiness about her she does she's she's really chill too it's 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 funny but like when we walked into like first read table read i was just like joan and she was just like hi and my mom was just like oh my god because we didn't know who was playing miss smullins in the film like when we got the script and and all we knew was it was jack black and us you know and 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 I was super, I was, I was super starstruck by Sarah Silverman, of course. And, and then seeing Joan was just like, oh, hey, 
hey, Chicago, like, you know, wow. hey, Chicago over everything. Like, we're, we're, <laughs> you know, you put like more than one Chicago in in a room. We're like insufferable about it. So that's it's yeah. Me and Joan and Kevin um, who played Freddie were the the three Chicago babes. And then there was also Tim Hopper who played um, Zach Mooneyham's dad, like the mean dad who was yeah, like, yeah, you can't yeah. play class. You can't play rock music, only classical. OK, mm. and only when I tell you to. And only after you did your homework, he is like Tim Hopper is a, a Steppenwolf ensemble member who like years later, I started working at Steppenwolf and I was just like, hey, Zach's dad. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and I've done more than just that one movie. Oh, my God. That is Chicago royalty. Truly. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I have to ask the next podcast question, which is, if the world was ending, you could only save one character actress, who would you save? Well, another Chicago legend, Lori Metcalf, is my oh. answer. Did you see her on Hacks? Of course I saw her on Hacks. I saw her in, she was in a play in New York, A Doll's House Part 2. Yes, she... okay, I did that play in... Indiana. <laughs> you did. Um, it's Indiana so, Rep, yeah. It's such a good play. She, and you know what? I think 99% sure that you're the first person to say Laurie Metcalf. And it is a very big honor to be discussing her because what a gorgeous answer. Um, it what- was between her and Joan, but we already talked about Joan. And, and honestly, like, you know, I, I think if it came down to it, well, fuck, it's like <laughs> if I could save two, it would be them too. Because right, right. again, Chicago over everything. But also seeing her on Hacks is such a lovely surprise. I was mm-hmm. literally, I was like, is that Lori? <laughs> and then her just being this like bull dyke, like <laughs> call me weed. I, uh. 
I lost I also, it. Yeah. I will say that when some people answer that question, they really worry about the actual apocalypse and how this character actress would fare with survival. And I do feel that Lori Metcalf and Joan Cusack would both. They would both you, survive. Both survive and lead you to, they would build a gorgeous shack on the island and then you would be, next thing you know, have Central AC. I'm imagining them, of course, as like Joan as her character from Shameless, mm. um, who who is like actually like a survivalist, isn't she? She's like got like, or she's got agoraphobia. So right. she really knows how to like protect herself, mm-hmm. right? And Lori's character from Hacks. <laughs> Which and them runs too? a tight like, ship. team. <laughs> Great, great answer. If you could like think of a dream scenario and you are doing a movie with Lori Metcalf and Joan Cusack, are you their daughter? Are you their colleague? Are you their pro? What what do you what do we feel would be a dream project for you? I think they're I think they're my mom's. I think they are both my mom and the, it could either go two ways, the one of two ways. It's like a, a comedy, like about, you know, these lesbian moms, like raising their daughter who has just come out to them as straight classic. Yes. Um, or it's the, the other way where it's like they're, they're raising their straight daughter and then she comes out as gay and then they all have a gay party. And then in that movie, my my girlfriend would ideally be Tessa Thompson. Done and done. Honestly, yeah. both versions are delicious to me. And if if it's the straight one, my boyfriend, it's it's like guess who's coming home to dinner? And except for it's I bring a boy home, and they're like, we literally raised you, we gave you a Subaru Outback for your 16th birthday. Hello, your closet is full of Dickies and Doc Martens. Hello. Like, who is this? And then the boyfriend is like, yeah, Michael B. Jordan or yeah, like the straightest jock you can imagine. Dev Patel. Like, yeah, no, like, oh, yeah, no. Um, or maybe like a softer soft boy that they can both kind of like raz on. Well, I love all this because I feel like if it was like a Michael B. Jordan, it's a fish out of water story. But the fish who is out of water is the straight man who is surrounded by lesbians or and like the, the, the daughter. But like, I think that it would be fun to see the perspective of the straight person feeling out of place when usually it's the other way around. And I think there's the Broadway mu- or like a, a musical uh, Xana don't that I have never seen, but it's basically like a show that subverts that where if you're gay in high school, you're cool. And if you're straight, those are the losers and the popular kids are all the queer people. And I feel like I love that. that. I love, I just think that those types of stories are so fun because it puts on its head, like how stupid it is that, society can treat queer people as the outcasts when really i think many queer people i dare say most queer people after embracing themselves would never go back and and feel like one of their superpowers is being part of the queer community and so i think like hello i love that lori being married raising their queer daughter who comes out as straight brings the gorgeous jock home holy i mean and then she ends up gay anyway. That's the, that's the thing. And, and it's and it is Tessa Thompson still. <laughs> okay, that I love. It's a it's a love triangle and all roads point to gay. Um, done and done. What, let's let's get the the title of this movie is my stupid one that I that came to mind was something old, something new, something borrowed Subaru. Um, <laughs> Well, I think you nailed it. But I just have Subaru on the brain. I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. Oh, you know, it's it's like um, nature versus nurture, Subaru versus lesbian. Nature versus nurture is actually a great name for it. 
And there, and that's how brainstorming works, babe. Wow. Who do we pick? We just threw spaghetti at the wall. Just like my poppy would do as at the second shake when the server brings in the wrong drink. Um, spaghetti <laughs> against the wall. Oh, wow, wow, wow. So there are so many, so many amazing parts of your journey, I feel. The spirit guidedness of it all, the Chicago-ness of it all, the school of rockiness. What do you, now that you are a Los Angeles girlina living with your husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, what is this chapter? And like, if you could ideally look at your 30s, do you have an idea of like where your life is going in, in a way that would feel yummy to you? Yeah, I think I think the thing that I've been musing on lately is that like, this is now a marathon. It's no longer a sprint. Yes. I I think that for me, I was so tied up in this idea that I had to be at a certain point in my career as a performer, as an actor. And then if I wasn't by the time I was 30, then I might as well kill myself or quit um <laughs> probably quit not kill myself but like it's either it's either one or one of two things it's one or the other um <laughs> and 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 now that i've kind of that that has softened and the binary of that has completely shattered i am doing my best to live in not necessarily gratitude because I think that we can, especially like I'm sober, I've been sober for four and a half years, which is amazing. And amazing. I you know, have this beautiful community around me of other hot sober queers that keep me sober and this beautiful relationship to spirituality that helps keep me sober and a beautiful sober partner. Like, and, and like gratitude can kind of lead me to a place of like toxic positivity. It can kind of bring up old trauma, like of, you know, my parents saying like, Oh, you think you got it bad? Like we had to fucking lick dirt off the floor when we were. And <laughs> like, I think keeping a mindset of like, there's evidence that the universe has my back mm. uh, rather than being in like gratitude and being like, Oh my God, thank you God for my beautiful house, my beautiful wife. Like we're just like the fact that five years ago I was dying of cocaine addiction and eating disorders and like sex addiction. And five years later, I'm in a committed, healthy partnership with the person I love who I get to navigate sobriety alongside, who I get to navigate the industry alongside. I have thousands of connections with people who are probably more than likely saying my name in the rooms that I definitely belong in. And my time is not up. Um, and I think it's just like reminding myself daily that it's never too late. Sarah Paulson didn't get American Horror Story until she was like in her 40s or late 30s. And and she's another one of my character actresses that I would save. <laughs> um, but, you know, Laurie and Joan, I've got a personal connection with. So it's like Listen, I got to 
I Chicago. Think so, you're getting Chicago of everything. Of course. And I think <laughs> what you said is so beautiful that that it 100%, you know, is not over. And I think something that resonates with me is that as we are navigating this world, especially when it comes to like a, a life of creativity in, in, in an industry like this, it's that you realize that the career parts of it do not dictate your entire value. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that I've been thinking about is all the different banks that you're investing in. And a lot of it is like your 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 personal bank, your value, your, your value of, of yourself, your relationships, spiritual your, bank s- account is actually your spiritual bank account. And of course, like your career is a part of it, but it's just not the entire thing. And I think I definitely felt in my 20s that the career bank was ever it was the only important bank. And now it's like, well, wait a minute. A, time is not up. B, the universe has your back. And C, you have been working to invest in all the other banks. That is not nothing. I mean, like you're saying, you have mm-hmm. come, you've done so many great things and come so far and you've built this life. And it's, and it's in many ways, just the beginning. Yeah. And, and I was talking to my, my powerlifting coach today, Greg, <laughs> and yeah, that's something I got into like a little, around a year ago, I, I got into powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting and, and, you know, CrossFit and <laughs> she said it, it's well, you know, the, the gym that I work out at, we, we don't have like a CrossFit class. What we have is a uh, class that is CrossFit style, but we don't use the branding because okay. they're not great. Um, but I was talking to my, my coach today and she, she's a person who was in the acting industry and decided that she was spiritually bankrupt after years and years of the comparison and the the envy and the stuff that you know the the ugly stuff that comes with being in this um in hollywood and she decided that what brought her joy was lifting and coaching and and being an athlete more so than the acting of it all and hollywood can suggest that that women are to be skinny And she just one day was like, well, I want to be strong. I don't want to be skinny. And I'm on that path myself too. Like I I much prefer being strong and thick to being skinny and like wimpy. Um, But we were talking about it today. She was just like, well, like, I think the most important thing is to just have stuff outside of acting to bring you joy that you don't try to monetize because I think that like we, we tend to as capitalist fuckers in this, you know, (laughs) horrible world like find a hobby and get good at it and then oh how can i monetize this which i exactly what i did with my akashic records business but it is like a spiritual service that helps people so i figured that was great but like of course like every time i get a new hobby i'm like i can really make money from this (laughs) and and so i'm trying to be more cognizant of that and and not try to put a dollar amount on my joy um Whoa. Okay. Where did that come from? Not me. That was write that down. So, so, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm actively looking for new things to give me that joy, that excitement, the same way that powerlifting and boxing and going for like a nice little walk around the silver Lake reservoir does, um, that I can continue to just like add to my little toolkit for when I'm in pre-production or for when I'm in post-production, I just, you know, I just wrapped up a, a musical at the Geffen brag and we love <laughs> it was that. so fun. Yeah. It was, um, a wicked soul in cherry Hill. 
Um, so not wicked, but close enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will say wicked is like my, my dream show. My dream role is Alphaba. but yeah, I got to play a rabbi's daughter in this one. And it was, it was a song cycle about a true crime that happened in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Um, in 1994, this, this rabbi, he hired a hitman to murder his wife because he was having an affair and rabbis can't get divorced. So he was just like, well, I'll get my wife out of the way. Um, and so he hired Holy this, this hitman who was a congregant of his temple to Shut kill up. his wife. And I played like a multitude of characters. I mean, mainly the daughter of the rabbi and also the journalist who kind of seduced the hitman into confessing. And it was a great time. Uh, I, I apologize if you said this. Did, was this uh, a original story? Or is it based off of a real story? True crime, true story. Holy yeah. shit! Look up if you if anyone listening looks up Cherry Hill Rabbi. It's the first thing actually probably the first thing that shows up now is like family terrified at the fact that their trauma has become a musical but Oops. you know yeah well you know it's public domain and May i think the we, Lord we protect and that was the gunshots we um. literally <laughs> we we handled it i think that the play was written with a lot more reverence than it was made to seem and, yeah. and unfortunately when geffen first rolled out their season for this show, they they described it as having humor and chutzpah, and I was just like, "There's nothing humorous or chutzpah about this murder." But like, like you know, they they ended up pulling that down and like reframing it and making it a little less uh, <laughs> sensational, uh, schmaltzy. schmaltzy. Yeah, I guess it's like will. schmaltzy is the Yiddish for it. But yeah. Um, anyway, all that to say, I finished that show, and as a lot of performers do when they finish a project, I crash hard into right, a depression. Right. I'm not getting eight shows a week of validation and mm-hmm. people coming up to me and saying, wow, that was great. Rivka, you're a star, like blah, blah, blah. And, and as a Leo and as a performer and as a musical theater cunt, Alina, I feel that like I, my body shuts down mm-hmm. my, I become a menace and I can't be around people and I want to isolate and just like cry and mourn the, the, you know, the, the show that is over the project that is over but I can't, I have to like know how to navigate the in-between times because in-between is life. That's, that's life. Production is not life. Production is like a fantasy version of life. And then once the production is wrapped, it's like, okay, how do I take care of myself? And how do I like, and some days it's like, I wake up and I immediately am in a great mood. Other days it takes me a couple hours to go, well, what the fuck do I need to be happy today? Mm. And, and just do it. Just, just do it. I think, I think that it's so well said also. It's just like that life is between and it's about being able to navigate the waters of this thing we call life. Speaking of the board game life, shout out. We love you. Um, but I do I do want to ask, since sadly our time is coming to an end, I want to ask a question I did not prep you for on this Gay Us podcast, which is, Rivka, what is the best Whoopi Goldberg film? Sister Act 2. Congratulations. That is the correct answer. <laughs> I felt the impulse to sing Joyful, Joyful, but I feel like at this point it's hack. It's, I sing it every day of my life. Joyful, oh. joyful, ah, we adore thee. You know, my, my, I went to a Catholic, Jesuit Catholic high school for two years, uh, St. Ignatius College Prep, and 
my the only part of that school that I liked was like theater and choir and we sang oh happy day and this girl Corey I will never forget she had that solo for oh god like in in she was marking like in the rehearsals obviously because she was waiting for the big day for the big day and we were all like okay yeah 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 and you know oh happy day I'm like watching her I'm like damn she's probably gonna like go the fuck off on Friday when we have church and Ignatian values. Um, (laughs) And she blew the fucking house down. I've never seen people in a church applaud. Like that was, that was the first. It's just like in the movie. What was like, you're going to have to do better than that. Oh yeah. It's all. That's not sister act, but. We pour one out for that. <laughs> Wait, what? I know what that is. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. La, 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 Oh, yeah. It's the Hillary Duff. It's the Hillary Duff moment. <laughs> I'm angry at how good you are at that because you make it. You sang it better than she did. <laughs> Oh my god, what a gorgeous finale to this podcast episode. Rivka, where can people follow you? Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. My Instagram and TikTok are the same. It's Rivka.Reyes. Twitter doesn't let you use a dot, so it's just Rivka Reyes. And I do have a Patreon. It's kind of inactive, but if you do want to see some cute BTS, uh, you can subscribe to my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Reyes. And you can check out my podcast, Where Are We Now? where I ask fellow former child stars who their Matilda was. Uh, um, and it's a great, it's a raucous romp. We've had guests from Hannah Montana. We've had guests from uh, Degrassi, uh, School of Rock, obviously. Uh, we've had some iCarly icons, Nathan Pearson, friend of the pod. Friend uh, of the pod. Yeah, yeah. Iconic. That is incredible and iconic. Well, thank you for coming on this gay-ass podcast. Everyone go listen to Rivka's pe- uh, podcast. Do the Patreon. Live the truth. And uh, Rivka, thank you so much. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.